Welcome to church, guys. We're so glad that you are here. And as you can tell, tonight looks a little different. Tonight we have uh, combined our students and our adults into one service, and even our kids uh, that are here. And we, and we are having a joint service with all these different areas at Eubank um, together under one roof tonight. And we are glad that you are here wherever you are joining us from. And we want to give Jesus as much time and space as possible to speak and to move. So we're going to jump right into the content that we have for tonight. And last week uh, with the student ministry, we kicked off a series called Strong Start. And and a constant theme in this series that, that we have seen that we kind of um, identified last week is that we are pursuing a strong start that will lead to a lasting impact in other words, we don't want uh, your spiritual life to flare up and then flare back down. We don't want your spiritual life to rise, um, but just to fall off uh, the radar a few weeks down the road. Um, and during this time, you see a lot of New Year's resolutions and things like that. And typically, uh, you fall into two camps. Either you rise or you fall, meaning that either you rise, you are able to maintain that commitment, that resolution, uh, longer than two days or two weeks, or you fall meaning that after a few days or a few weeks, you're, you're, you're right back into your old habits. But we are pursuing a strong start that leads to a lasting impact. And in order to have a lasting impact in your spiritual walk, wherever that is, however it looks like for you right now, you have to have a biblical mindset. You have to see things from a biblical perspective. And during the series, we're going to spend uh, time in the book of James, which I believe is one of the most practical books there are within the Bible to, to, to living a Christian life, to having a biblical perspective on, on different experiences that we all go through, that, that no matter where your journey is, no matter what you're going through now or what you've gone through, you will experience these things that James talks about. And so if you're listening to this and, and, and you would consider yourself a Jesus follower, you are someone who follows Jesus, you should have a biblical perspective. It, it, it is significant for you to have a, a biblical perspective because it shapes the way God wants you to view the world that you are in. And last week, we spent some time talking about suffering and trials from a biblical perspective because if you, again, are a Christian, if you are someone who follows Jesus, trials or uh, sufferings, that's going to be part of your story, whether you have seen it up to this point or maybe you haven't yet, but you're going to see trials at some point because we, we saw that James said that when you face trials, so it's not a question of if, but when. And so last week we talked about trials and sufferings from a biblical perspective, and this week we're shifting the focus over to a conversation about temptation and sin. And what we're going to see through our scripture tonight, through James chapter 1, is that temptation and sin go hand in hand. And also we're going to see what 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 does God's word have to say about that. So this at, at this time, I want to invite you uh, to, to open up your Bible. If you don't have one, take a moment to go to go find one. Uh, pause the, the podcast if you have to, but find a Bible because we want you to experience God's word right where you are. And tonight we're going to be in James chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 13 through 15. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read it, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to unpack it as best as we can in these next few moments. So I'm going to read through James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And it says this, that when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So as we said a, a few moments ago, temptation and sin go hand in hand, and, and, and we can see this in these verses. We can see how when temptation is given just a little bit, it will lead to sin, and then sin will lead to death. But before we get too far into all that, let's define these two things. Let's, let's, let's take a moment and define temptation and sin, because in order to have a biblical mindset, have a biblical perspective of temptation and sin, you have to know what it is. You have to know how the Bible defines it. So starting with temptation, temptation is an attraction to act against what God says. Again, it's an attraction to act against what God says. And so whenever you are 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 feeling uh, a, a desire to do something that goes against God's word, hey, guess what? That is a temptation. That is something that the enemy is using to try to get your attention. Because what we what we know and what the Bible teaches is that once you are saved, once you commit your life to Jesus, that there is nothing in this world that will take you out of his hands. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. But what, what, what we do know is that the enemy, Satan, he does not give up easily. Like he's not going to, he, he, he won't see you as, as saved and redeemed. Um, and, and he won't think, well, well, because they're saved, I, I'm, I'm just going to give up and, and go on to the next person. No, that's not how it works. If the enemy knows that he can't have your soul, he'll, he will try to distract you. He will try to use things in your life to distract you and to pull you away from the life God has for you, that God is planning for you. So temptation is, is an, an, an attraction to go against, to act against what God says. And so sin... Sin is defined as this. Sin is, is not meeting God's standard. Again, sin is simply not meeting God's standard. And can we just be real for a moment that for some reason, uh, we can sometimes get into this mindset that there are like levels and degrees of sin. That like if we don't, you know, if, 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 if we don't do this particular sin, that's okay. Like if, if, if I don't lie to someone's face, that's okay. Like lying to someone's face, that's bad. But talking about them behind their back, hey, that's okay, right? Because they're not, they're not knowing what we're saying. They're not seeing or hearing what we're saying. And so we, we have this mindset that sin has layers and levels. But can I tell you this? That when Jesus, when God sees sin, he sees sin as sin. Like your only options are sin and sin. Like there's no levels or degrees of sin. So when you sin... Even the small things that we would say, you know what, a little white lie here and here and there don't that, that that's okay. No, that's not okay. Like sin is sin. Like there, like once you cross, even like like once your toe crosses the line, once your toe does something that goes against what God says to do, you are sinning. And so what we can see from these definitions is that. These things are important and shouldn't be taken lightly, but that's the issue that we seem to take sin and temptation lightly. Uh, we don't. We don't seem to give it. Uh, we don't. We don't seem to give it the time and the effort and the thought that that we should have about it. The way that essentially we don't take it serious. 
we see temptation and sin as something small. But if we're being honest, that in moments where life is really, really difficult for you, it, it, it can all be traced back to that one decision, that one moment that you decided to go against what God says. And so what we see James echoing in, in our verses tonight is that these things are serious, especially in verse 15. So go back to verse, to verse 15, where it says, that Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to to death. So what we see is that these things are important. Like if you don't take sin or temptation seriously, like you will get hurt. You will, uh, you 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 will be destroyed by it. But if you get back to verse thirteen, James is is he's also trying to communicate something uh, that's just as significant as verse fifteen. That he begins with verse thirteen, and then goes into verse fourteen. So again, go back with me to verse thirteen. And going into verse 14, verse 13 says that when tempted, no no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So I think if James were here with us today, like if, if he was walking with us today, I think he would say something like this. And, and uh, maybe using uh, today's language, he would say something like this. Own it. But if you read through verses 13 through, 15, 13 through 14, he is telling you to own it. He is telling you to own your decisions, to own your behaviors. You know, one thing that we have said is that the only person that you can blame for your actions and your decisions are you. And when we find ourselves in a tough situation, or maybe we're struggling because we uh, made a decision and now we're starting to see like the consequences of that decision, the only place that we can go to for blame is ourselves. And so James is saying, hey, own this. He is, he, he is taking all options off the table because we collectively, like we as a people, tend to not own it when things are going bad, especially when it's our fault. And as we, again, have, have, have talked about, like if you, if you go back to the story of Adam and Eve, you see this with them as well, that when they come face to face with their sin, they don't own that. They run from it. They hide it. They, they hide from it. They hide in it. And so this is not a new pattern. This is not a new behavior. We, we, have, we, we see this from the very beginning of time. But when we're doing good things or maybe when uh, they, there's a lot, of, a lot of people watching us or, 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 or the attentions on us, we will own that, right? We'll, we're, we're really good about posting that, posting about it, owning it. We're really good about that. But what James does here in verses 13 through 14 that he takes all options off the table. And we like options, especially when we're trying to avoid owning it, right? Like, because let's be honest, like nothing is ever our, our fault. Like, not, like you are perfect and nothing is ever your fault. Even though no one is, is responsible for our actions except for us and that we are imperfect people, we are never wrong. And if we are wrong, like if, if, if that one small chance happens that we are wrong, it's only because someone else did something, right? Like, it's never our fault. Like, if only they would not have done this or that, then we wouldn't have said that, right? Like, if, if they wouldn't have got us so mad, I wouldn't have said that word. If, 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 if they would have just listened to me, I wouldn't have gotten mad and flown off the handle, right? And so we are terrible about owning it. But what we see here is that James brings us face-to-face with the reality 
that the only person we can blame when we fall into sin, when we fall into temptation, is ourselves. And essentially, James is telling us what we need to hear sometimes, but don't like to hear, and it's this, that, hey, it's your fault that you're here. Like, it's your fault that you're in this mess. Like, it's not her fault. It's not his fault. It's not their fault. It is your fault that you are in this mess. And we hate hearing that because, again, we're never wrong. But it's our fault when we get into this mess. And we, and we see that when we see James echoing that in verses 13 through 14, where he says, when each person is, is tempted and dragged away by their own evil desires. So it's your desires. It, it is your thoughts. It is your feelings that get you to the mess. It's not God. It's not anybody else. It's you. And so as we start to bring, you know, this conversation to to a close, uh, I, I want to give a illustration that, that I think um, can illustrate this and just really illustrate how, how temptation and sin works. It, it, it would be like me. Uh, giving you an envelope that's full of money, not knowing, and you don't know how much is in the envelope. You don't know how much money's in there, but it's, it's like me saying, "Hey, this envelope is yours. You can walk away with this right now. It's yours. You can do whatever you want with it." Because that's what temptation is, right? T- temptation is us sacrificing what's down the road for what's in front of our face. Then, like temptation is sacrificing the then for the now. So it'd be like me giving you an envelope full of money and saying, this is yours. You can do whatever you want with it. Or if you want, I have something else in my pocket that I can give you. That you don't know what it is, but it could be better, it could be worse. So it would be like me saying, you can keep this envelope or you can take what's in my pocket. Now, typically, most people, they're going to pick the envelope, right? Because they, they know what's in the envelope. They know money's in there. They, they don't. They, they may not know how much money's in there, but they know money is in there. But they don't know what's in my pocket. So typically, they would take the envelope. They would sacrifice the then for the now. And what, and, and what you didn't know when you took that envelope from me is that in that envelope was $10, but in my pocket was $60. That, you, that, that someone sacrificed, you sacrificed $60 for $10. You gave up, you sacrificed the then for the now. And so if, if, if we're going to have a biblical mindset about temptation and sin, then we have to know what temptation and sin will cost us. Because here's the reality, that when you let temptation uh, lead you into sin, it will cost you something. Like, don't think that if I make a mistake, if I sin, if I go against God, like, there's no consequences. No, that is not true. And so to end this conversation, I want to share uh, two costs that we can see, two costs that we know will, that we know will be expected if, if, we, if we let temptation lead us into sin. And the first one is this, that temptation and sin will lead to death. And again, we saw that in verse 15, right, where it said that when sin is given— Life. <clears throat> when sin is given life and it, and it is born, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. That we see death, right? So I don't think it. it, it I don't think it necessarily means uh, physical death all the time. Like there, there are some sins. There are some things that if you do that are that and they go against God, like they will kill you. Like they they will kill you. But I, what I also know is that there that even though we may physically be alive. We may physically be okay. We can be physically alive but spiritually dead. 
Like we can have a heartbeat, we can have breath in our lungs, but our spiritual life can be dead. And so we have this mindset, again, that there are degrees and levels to sin, that if we don't cross the line, then it's okay. And listen, I, I've, I've read through the Bible once, and I'm, I'm reading through different parts of it now. I have never once seen the Bible say, as long as you don't cross the line, then don't worry, you're not sinning. Like I, I've never seen that. Like The Bible is pretty clear that sin is sin, that when God sees sin, he sees sin. There's no levels, there's no degrees. And especially now in, in, in the student culture, we see this a lot with sexuality. We see this a lot with sexuality, right? They think, well, as long as I don't go all the way with him or her, if I don't have sex with them, then it's okay if I do other things. Like, if, 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 if we don't have sex, that's okay. We, 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 we may be doing other things that are, not, that are not okay, but we don't have sex, so it's okay. Listen, any kind of sexual thing outside of marriage is sin. Okay, if you're listening to this and you do other things besides the big, you know, having sex before marriage, listen, you are still sinning. The only place that any kind of sexual action is allowed or, or any, in, any kind of sexual action that, that, is, that is pleasing to God is within marriage. That's it. There's, there's no alternatives. There's no uh, second opinions. That is it. And so if you get to the place where you start to see sin as something light and something that, well, if I don't cross the line, just stop, okay? Because the Bible does not teach that. Sin will lead to a spiritual death of your relationship with Jesus that when you do things that go against what God says, you are hurting your relationship with Jesus. And so the first thing is that temptation and sin will lead to death. But the second thing is this, that temptation and sin will cheapen Jesus' sacrifice. That temptation and sin will cheapen what God did for you. Now, do you ever stop and just think about what all Jesus did and all that he went through to bring you and I back to God? Like what Jesus went through was not a walk in the park. It was not a vacation. His body was broken to the point of death for you and me. It was, he, he, he was broken to the point of death in order that you and I might be brought back to God, to even be in the presence of God. Isaiah 53, 7 says that he was led to the slaughter like a sheep. And like a sheep, he didn't say anything. You know, this, this, this blows my mind that Jesus, when he was on the cross, when he was getting spit on, when he was getting stabbed in the side, when he was getting fed sour water, sour wine, never once did he curse those people. In fact, if you read his story, he forgave them. I, I, that just blows my mind. I... If someone was attacking me or insulting me in any way, you better believe in that moment I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to stop and say, well, you know what? I forgive you. That's not going to happen. But that's what Jesus did. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He, he went through all that for you and me. And so every time that we give temptation or sin any space, whether it be physical space, mental space, emotional space, any kind of space that we give temptation and sin, we are cheapening what Jesus did for us. We are, we are taking what he did. We are, we are taking his sacrifice, his life, and we are throwing it on the ground and, 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 just, and just spitting on it. I heard someone say it like this one time, that Jesus didn't save us to sin. He saved us 
from sin. He didn't save us just so we could continue sinning. Even Paul said that. He, he wrote, should, should I, someone saved by grace, continue to keep on sinning? Of course not, he says, because we weren't saved to keep sinning. We were saved from sin. So as we close this conversation out tonight, here's the, here's the question that I want you to consider. And it's a very simple question. How do you see temptation and sin? When you think about it, when you experience it, how do you see that? How do you view that? Do you have a biblical mindset about that? In other words, do you take sin and temptation as serious as you should? Do you see them as things that take you away from God and things that you shouldn't do and, 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 and things that could ultimately hurt you? Or do you see them as, well, it's just, I'm young, it's my life, I deserve to be happy, all those things? Like, how do you view sin? How do you view temptation? Do you take it serious or do you take it lightly? If you're listening and you take it lightly, you need to change that. Because the Bible is very clear about how we should see sin and temptation. It's very clear about what it will cost us. It is very clear about how we should view that. And so, again, what is your view of temptation and sin? Do you have a biblical mindset of that? 